to chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. We are in Mark chapter 2. Hopefully the sound of these videos comes out okay because I just noticed, I don't know, it's kind of weird because I went back and watched the YouTube videos and the sound was kind of tricky and uh, it was making like a little scratchy noises sometimes and uh I don't know. I, just, I think part of the reason I was making the weird noises it was doing is because I had the mic turned up too high. This is just for YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, if you have not subscribed to Chew the Bible, my Chew the Bible YouTube channel, please do so. Help a brother out. <laughs> but yeah, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers. But uh, yeah, anyway, what was I saying? Yeah. The sound was off, so I had to turn the mic down. Oh, I need to go watch the videos and make sure the sound is okay. So, the sound of the podcast always sounds good. It's just the sound on the video that's been a little bit off. So, all right, here we go. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Mark chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Of course it did. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Wowzers. While he was preaching, God while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Of all the things he could have said, he could have said, Stand up and walk, be healed. He says, Your sins are forgiven. And it just shows you how sin equals bondage, you know, and physical. It's two things, two things going on here. I see the physical aspect, how sin leads to physical sickness and disease. Now, don't get me wrong. This this is a hard part because sometimes some of us are dealing with physical ailments and diseases or whatever. And it's easy to think like, oh, you must, you know, a lot of Christians are like, oh, what demon did you invite in? What what door did you open up to the enemy? Or, you know, just because you're dealing with a sickness doesn't mean, as a Christian, doesn't mean you are blatantly sinning, right? We live in a world where it's, yeah, a lot of bad stuff happens that the world, the flesh, the devil, all right? And restaurants like Gates serving food with roaches and mice. <laughs> one of the locations is a big news story. It's one of the barbecue places here. Unfortunately, it got to be shut down. Anyway, if you have things out here that can cause you to get sick, doesn't always mean that there's a demon involved or that you have opened the door to the enemy. It's, 
it's kind of the hard part in Christianity because I've seen it happen when I was part of my house church. Every time somebody got sick, it was like this big witch hunt. Like what? Yeah, what demon did we let in this time? Kind of, kind of thinking. Anyway, I see, but. Yes, we can see that. I do personally believe that a lot of cancers and a lot of strokes, a lot of heart attacks are actually caused by like either unconfessed sin, um, people in states of blatant sin, or like that in the, like go look at the story of John chapter eight, the woman uh, who's caught in adultery. And after um, Jesus tells all, you know, all the, her accusers go away, he tells her, go and sin no more before something worse happens to you she's about to die and uh, anyway i do believe like a lot of uh people who deal with like chronic diseases or whatever something that does have to do with personal sin and unconfessed sin it, it is a possibility i'm not i'm i'm not claiming to be an expert on this but so yeah it could be both it could be but it's not always the case, what I'm trying to say. It's not always the case that somebody's blatantly sinning when they're sick. All right. And then we see that the fact that he's paralyzed is like a metaphor for how sin can paralyze us. The fact that, yeah, he says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm, so, I'm just sitting on this for a minute because he says, my child. Do we have any records of this man? Of Jesus leading this man through the sinner's prayer, him have been reading some or seeing some um, literature or chick track or no, we don't see any of that. We don't see this man even confessing his sin to Jesus or accepting Jesus in his heart. But it's almost as though Jesus knew from that moment, man would never be the same again after he was healed. And that he would be a disciple of Jesus, of Jesus for the rest of his life. Because he says, my child. Like he knew this man before he was even born. He calls him his child. Like there's so much. This is a this is a sermon right here. My child. Once again, it's another example of how Jesus knew us before he chose us before we chose him. Anyway. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are are forgiven some of us are walking around here and not fully believing that's one of the hardest things for a lot of Christians I've talked to a lot of Christians and non-Christians who can't believe this concept that their sins can be fully forgiven and that par when you walk around like that it's going to parallel like Think about it as a Christian. If you constantly think that you're not worthy of the gospel, you're not worthy of forgiveness, then how are you going to go tell somebody else the good news that their sins are forgiven and that there's a savior who had died for their sins? Like, it really steals your witness and your testimony when you don't. That's one of the, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest attacks that I deal with daily is just Satan kind of, or whatever little demonic forces I deal with lies. A lot of it's just my own thinking, but I deal with a lot of thoughts that come in my head every day that says, oh, you remember that time you did such and such? Remember that time you did such and such? You know, you're not truly in God's kingdom or, you know, 
you're not you're not in that number when the saints go marching in this lie constantly bombards my mind reminding me of this like tape of all the things i've ever done wrong especially the big ones especially the sexual sins also that's why it's so important to try to do your best to abstain from sexual impurity and immorality because you know i've stolen things at times i've cheated on tests in school but those sins don't really haunt me as much as sexual sin sexual sin like the memories of the women that i've been with just random people it's not a whole lot i don't want you thinking around it's like this big hoe but like the women that i have slept with or whatever or had the cover done sexual acts with like that's what haunts me and i have to constantly remind myself that i've been forgiven and remind me myself of that scripture of um how Jesus is faithful uh, to cleanse us, to forgive us, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Anyway, all right, verse 6. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. I had to put some emphasis on that, emphasis. Verse 8. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why? And Jesus was like, <laughs> I just thought of the Edivant song. I know what you're thinking. Jesus was the original Avant, before Avant. It's all right. All right. I can read your mind. <laughs> anyway. All right. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Mm. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. This right there, this is what separates having a relationship with Jesus from religion or anything, any other belief system out there. Because when people say, oh, Jesus, like Christianity, is, there's many ways to God that Christianity is just like another walk away to live your life um and they and the world will lump jesus into all these other religions like putting them on the same level it's like no mm -mm. it's either follow jesus or nothing everything else is a joke everything else is piss posh everything else is, is, is trash and the reason why it's trash and i'm not afraid to say it you know I try to say, you know, I'm trying to say, when I'm, when I'm talking to people or witnessing, witnessing somebody, witness, witnessing to somebody from a different faith, I do my best not to disrespect their faith or, you know, and even this, what I just said now may come across as disrespectful. I, I'm, I try to be very careful in how I talk to folks, but for the purpose of this podcast and the fact that like. I'm not actually sitting in the car with somebody right now or talking to them. I can straight up say every other, any other way is a joke. You know why? Because none of them, none of the other ways talk about a savior who has the power to forgive your sins. To even say that you're a sinner, force you to take personal responsibility for your sins and then provide, but and then also provide you a way out a way of escape from the bondage and the death and the eternal destruction that comes from those sins. 
and give you hope. Everything else is like, you gotta follow these rules or it's this nebulous concept of this universe or whatever that I can't put any faith in. So anyway, ultimately what I'm saying is Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. He only He's the only one that has the power to forgive sins, not Buddha, not um, Muhammad, not Krishna, not the universe, not some of these other, not your, your Pope, priest. Um, who am I missing? Or some of these, yeah, what do you got? The JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was just a God, not God. What is the other one? You got the Mormons. I don't fully understand what the Mormons believe. That's Jesus, 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 only Jesus, nothing else, no one else, no add-ons, not Jesus and Jesus, only Jesus. Verse 11, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Man, when this kind of stuff happens at our church and churches around the United States, bruh, it's going to be standing room only. People are going to be lined up outside the door. Jesus calls Levi, Matthew. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There are many people of this kind, of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with scum, with such scum? Why don't they call him scum? But the wild thing is, honestly, if a lot of churches would have had a real honest moment, a lot of us view a lot of the people outside of our churches are scum. And, um, I'm not saying all churches are this way. I'm just saying, like, have you been around somebody who smelled really bad? Like a homeless person or, yeah, that smelled horrible? It's one of, like, one of my least favorite things. Pray to God, I don't get any more smelly people in my car. But it's one of my biggest pet peeves as an Uber driver is when somebody smells really bad. Even worse than like the alcohol, the people that smell reek of alcohol, but the people just like seem like they ain't bathed in like five days. And I'm pretty sure Jesus, they shoot, this may sound kind of blasphemous, but I'm sure hmm, there's a possibility Jesus had a little smell to him. Like, think about it. They didn't have deodorant back then, as far as I know. Uh, they didn't have right guard and what is other stuff called, you know. Um, 
you know, with Old Spice. I don't like Old Spice. This stuff makes my skin break out. Dove. They have none of that. So I'm pretty sure they smell. And perf perfume was expensive. You had to have money to have perfume. I, if anybody smelled, you know John the Baptist had a smell to him. That man was out there, you know, wearing camel skins and eating locusts. Out in the wild, you know that man stank. Anyway, how many of us, my old, what I'm trying to say is how many of us would, even if you don't say it out loud, we think like this. Why does, like, why does he eat with such scum? Or why would Jesus call me to eat and hang out with such scum? This is what holds us back from even doing more ministry than we're already doing sometimes. It's this this kind of like bougie viewpoint of like being around people that don't look like us, don't talk like us, look a little dirty, look a little stanky. Yeah. Anyway. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need it. I'm... I'm talking like I struggle with this big time. I can be a little. My kids are like super. Like my kids can be super bougie sometimes. Like to the point where my daughter one time brought her own fork, or they want new plates. You know they don't like their food to touch. Um, just other little things about <laughs> if anything just looks nasty or. Sometimes they don't want to eat inside certain restaurants because they think they're dirt. I don't, you just have to be around my kids to see what I'm talking about. But you know, it's like the people. Just imagine. I don't know if you've ever been at a restaurant or been a server, and you got those people that come in and they ask for plastic silverware because they don't trust that the plates at your restaurant are clean, and they want yeah, plastic everything, plastic cup, plastic silverware, plastic paper plate. I'm like, why don't you just stay home and cook? Why are you even out? Like, <laughs> I used to think that sometimes. Or watch that show, Monk. That will give you kind of an idea of how my kids can be like sometimes. All right, verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's the number, like, first step to becoming a Christian is recognizing or knowing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. If, if you don't have, if you don't start there, then, yeah, as I say, the first step is admitting you have a problem. And it's not that you need to you know, get a better job or sleep more or stop drinking or all the different things that we try to come up with these ways to fix ourselves. It's like, no, we're sinners in need of a savior. A discussion about fasting. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? 
Verse 19, Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine will burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins will both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. A discussion about the Sabbath, and that scripture has been preached on a lot. I'm not going to go deeper on that, just, yeah, basically... Yeah, there's there's so much that can be said about that. But the main thing I get from that is like we're the, we're the wineskins. We're like the wineskins and God makes us new. And he makes us new wineskins. That's why you have to be born again and then new wineskins can be stretched be stretched and hold more wine versus the old ones if you try to put new wine into old wine skins it's going to tear and burst because it can't be stretched anyway there's so much more to say about it let's keep going a discussion about the sabbath one sabbath day as jesus was walking through some grain fields his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat but the pharisees said to jesus look why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the sabbath they're always looking for an opportunity to trip these dudes up. It's like it's a classic example of uh, don't let your food get cold looking at someone else's plate. They are, yeah, it's my business. Mind your business. It's mind your business. Anyway, verse 25. Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Now, Matthew did quote this. I remember him talking about this. He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Verse 27, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Try to quote these scriptures to my grandmother, and yeah, didn't turn out too well. But yeah, I, I, on both sides of my family, my grandpa and my great grandpa, on my mom and my dad's side, they the church that they were part of was called Church of God Saints of Christ. I think I, I mentioned this multiple times, but they were big on keeping the Sabbath, like I mean to a T. But then they would still break parts of it in trying to keep it which is so like ironic but um yes Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and I love what it says that basically 
the Sabbath was made for man, not man to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Anyway, I'm not going to go that deep. If you follow, if you keep the Sabbath religiously without breaking it, and you do it on Saturday or whatever, Sunday or whatever your day, yeah, most, yeah, most people that are strict about it, they do it on Saturday. I'm not about to get into arguments with you. I'm not about to try to convince you to stop. That's what works for you. It's not going to people who keep the Sabbath or who don't keep the Sabbath aren't I personally don't believe this God is mad at either one I think sometimes he laughs and chuckles at some of the things that we like get caught up on when there's like way bigger fist to fry like souls out here that need to be saved um anyway (laughs) uh there's not much more I can say about this little section but just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation on this particular topic and uh, yeah I'm sure there's some great commentaries out there related to it so alright y'all I'm thinking about going to sleep but I want to eat this salad that I have over there so that I've been allowed to sit out and get room temp so I may eat that and do maybe a few more recordings we'll see we'll see how I'm feeling all right holla Romans 3:23 says for all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.